Hey everyone, welcome to the Lighthouse Podcast, where you can hear our latest teachings and conversations. You are a toy. You're a child's plaything, and you are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. Does anyone know where that's from? You recognize that? Toy Story, Story, right? Anybody remember when Toy Story came out? 1995. 26 years ago. It's almost as old as me. I know. I know. It's almost as old as me. 26 years ago, Toy Story came out, and it told the story of Buzz and Woody and their differences and disagreements and how they would learn to come together and realize that they have a friend in each other, right? I'm not going to sing the song. Because <laughs> I know when my dad watches the video back at some point, he'll just start to cry, right? My dad and I used to sing that song to each other all the time as little kids. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Does anybody know somebody in their life that likes, you don't have to say who they are, that likes to disagree with seemingly everything? Okay. Some people make themselves pretty obvious. Hey, oh yeah, I do, right? Maybe, maybe it's your picturing in your mind a little version of you that just ran downstairs to Lighthouse Kids, okay? Maybe. Maybe you're thinking of a family member or a coworker or somebody on the internet, right? Isn't it a little ironic that social media, well, Facebook, Twitter, and all the other stuff that's supposed to bring us together, often we just find people that just bicker all the time online about stuff, or you're on the opposite end of the spectrum and everybody just always agrees with you. So you've built some sort of echo chamber, right? A bunch of yes men or yes, yes women that just like, oh, everybody thinks like me. It's, it's wonderful. There's no conflict ever. Or if you can't think of somebody in your life that likes to fight all the time, I've got some bad news for you. It might be you. You might be, think, you might be that person people are thinking of. I'm not pointing any fingers, but it might be you. Okay. Last week, John brought us through the first few verses of uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And I would like to invite you to flip back to chapter 4 with me and and turn there again, and and we'll pick up right where John left off. But last week, Paul left us with an urging. Okay, and I'm going to quote him here in verse 3, right before we're going to start. He says, Make every effort to preserve the unity the Spirit gives through the binding power of shalom, or peace. So make every effort to preserve the unity the Spirit gives you through the binding power of peace. Build a bridge of peace. I think that's super cool. That's what we've been talking about downstairs in Lighthouse Kids for the entire month, and this is our last week in building a bridge of peace. So I would encourage you to talk to your kids about what they're learning and what you're learning, because I think you'll often find that they cross over. And it's, I think it's really important that our kids participate in the conversation of church and what we're learning. Okay? So downstairs, they're learning today that they can build a bridge of peace by being a part of the solution. 
like being a peacemaker, standing between two people and bringing them together, okay? So Paul is urging us to preserve unity through this binding power that he calls peace. But how do we do that? How do they do that in the ancient world? How do we do that in the modern world? The church is a diverse group of people in an even more diverse world. And what works here might not work there. And some stuff that works for you here doesn't work for somebody else here. We split, right? So how do we find this peace, this unity? So let's take a look at what Paul has to say. And we'll go through it in one shot, and then we'll come back and take it bit by bit. Because he gives us a bit of a churchgoer's guide to unity, okay? So this is what he says. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, 5, and 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Anybody's brain just melt? Yes? Yeah? Pour it out your ears? Might be a mouthful, and if you're not careful, it can, we can sort of glaze over it and, and read it just really quick and think, oh, I think I got the general idea. We're going to take it slow together, each one, okay? What does Paul say here? Because this segment is one of the things that I love about the New Testament as opposed to the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a ton of storytelling. The New Testament, and especially the letters, assumes that you know all that stuff. And so Paul just can drop like one word in there, and it means a whole bunch of stuff. But he's not going to talk about He's just going to assume that you know it, right? So that's how you get these like jam-packed, like just word vomit sentences that's like super rich. And if you could spend weeks diving into just these words. So I spent a week, one, diving into these words, and we're going to do an overview together, right? We're not going to go super deep, but if you want my notes, you're welcome to have them, okay? So a few things I think we should just notice really quick about the intro to this passage is that Paul introduces the Trinity in the passage, but he does it in a bit of an unorthodox way, okay? So he starts with the Holy Spirit, and then he moves to Jesus, and then to the Father. This is a, it's not wrong or anything, but it's not normal. It's a bit atypical. And it's probably because he's just coming out of talking about the peace that the Holy Spirit wants you to maintain. So he's continuing that thread going through here. There's not some sort of, like, hierarchy that he's building. But the main meat that I want us to look at right here is that Paul highlights seven things that he wants the Ephesian church to focus on. And by extension, I believe us here, that he believes is going to drive the people towards unity in this bond of peace. So what are the seven? Well, the seven are, he says, there's one body, one spirit, one hope, there it is, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. Right? Big list. So when you meet somebody new and you're trying to make a friend, has anyone ever made a friend in the last, like, 20 years? Eventually, we, we get to a point where we stop, like, making friends kind of, right? You have your people group, and then that's, like, it. Kids do it all the time. I do it all the time because that's kind of what, like, where I work, right? Like, making friends has to be a skill that I have to, like, cultivate all the time. But eventually, most people reach a point where they're like, this is my group of people. So we can kind of lose, like, touch with how do you make friends, right? What do people normally do? Well, we find commonalities, right? 
right? So that's called like finding common ground. You, you talk to people, you figure out shared interests, right? Where do you work? Where are you from? How old are you? Do you have any hobbies? Oh, me too. Very cool. What's your family life? Are you, are you single? Are you married? Do you have kids? Parents? Like what? Cousins? Where, what, all this stuff, right? What, how, what's the family situation? What's your income level? Some people like to group up by income. Like wealthy people will maybe spend more time with wealthy people. Oftentimes, people with lower income will rally around each other in a shared sort of understanding of the struggle, right? That's not good or bad. It's just the way it is. And so we group up like that, right? A lot of us will break down walls, we'll build bridges with people, we'll make new friends over food, over a table, over a cup of coffee. So a lot of people will often go into the, hey, are you a coffee drinker? Do you want to go for coffee? Or do you just prefer to make yourself suffer all the time, <laughs> right? So you will find it much easier to connect with people if you go into the conversation trying to find common ground, right? Try to find common ground. We do that all the time. And that's what I would argue on the surface Paul is doing right here. So he's highlighting this like cosmic common ground, this like grand scale commonality, deep rooted, unchanging, objective commonalities between believers. And he wants us, he encourages us to dwell on those things, to think on those things. And so in a diverse world, in a diverse church, how do we unify in peace? We find common ground. We find common ground. So every believer or follower of Jesus has certain markers that they share with other followers of Jesus. So Paul invites us all to find common ground with our neighbors instead of thinking about things that are lesser or changing or potentially divisive. He's pointing out some common ground. When we're left to our own devices as people, we typically like to seek out our own things and people that agree with us and people that see things the way that we do. We want to group up. We're very tribal. We draw lines that aren't naturally there, but we find people that agree with us, right? Where you're from, what you look like maybe, if you have money or not, your age, your, your age height, weight, race, occupation, your gender, your preferred hobby, your favorite sports team, your favorite music genre, your preferences in church worship or dress attire. We think that we find unity when everybody agrees, when really we've just constructed a church in our own image, okay? So there is a difference between unity and uniformity, okay? So Paul wants us to focus on commonalities that go much deeper than our surface preferences. So let's just take a quick look here. We're going to run through these seven super fast, okay? Super fast, he says, there is one body. That is to say that all of us here and everyone on a grander global church scale, like big C, capital church, everywhere, right? We are all one body of believers. We're all one group of believers who have decided to serve Christ. And if we are the body, then Christ is the head, right? And so we are all a group of people that gather here, COVID permitting, and around the world, 
that we gather here because we want to worship God, we want to enjoy his presence, and we want to follow and implement the teachings of Jesus in our lives. That's a common thing between all of us here, I hope, is that if you profess to be a follower of Jesus, we are all part of the same body. And just like a body has different parts that all have different functions, it's all brought into alignment, into unity through the head, which is Christ, okay? So this thing does something different than this thing, but we all work together as the body, right? So the knee doesn't say to the elbow, like, why aren't you like me? We just are that way, okay? But we're all part of the body. We're all part of the body. One spirit. Every believer here has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's promised to us in Scripture, okay? Everyone who professes to follow Christ is given the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a guarantee. And it plays out differently, and it's a bit mysterious. So if you can't put your finger on it, that's okay. I struggle with it as well. But we find our unity together in a common, shared, and a uniquely shared experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives that sometimes does the miraculous, or in prayer does something, or gives you a word, or something like that. But even if you're not the type of person who's prone to the miraculous, we all have a shared experience of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In our lives. That life can go like this, and it can go like this, but I'm, I'm all good, right? Even if I'm down here, I'm in process. I'm being made new. And the Bible tells us that the Spirit is at work in all of our lives, making us into the image of the Son, of Jesus. Like that God sends his Spirit into you and into me, and that begins the process of making you into Christ-resembling people. That we are being brought back to a place that we should have been from the beginning, right? So how can we look around the room and tell somebody that they don't belong when the Holy Spirit is in them? Like, how can we vet that? So everybody here, you can look around the room and know with confidence, and you can look around the global church and know with confidence that if somebody is part of the body, they have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that Paul starts with the body. Okay, you're all part of this group of people. And then he immediately goes to, and there's one spirit that brings you all together. Because perhaps we need to focus a little bit more on the spirit of God working in each and every one of us than we do about where we disagree on stuff. Okay? Okay? So, he keeps going. We're, we are all called to one hope. Okay? Sometimes we will disagree on what that hope is, or you hope for something that, that I'm hoping for that's different than what you're hoping for. It gets very confusing. Paul is talking about the hope, like the hope, not this like throwaway hope of a heaven where I can eat Big Macs and never get fat, right? That's cheap. That's cheap. That's cheap hope, right? Paul is talking about deep-rooted hope, like the hope, which he later calls the prize, that we strive towards the prize, right? The prize. One hope, 
Earlier in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, he says, this is Paul again, he says, I pray that he will give light to the eyes of your hearts so that you will understand the hope to which he has called you. What rich glories there are in the inheritance that he has promised his people. That's the hope, okay? The rich glories and inheritance, which is eternity in the presence of God, okay? That's what it's all about. Sharing in and experiencing God's life, his love, his goodness. And that hope is something that we all strive towards. That's something we all strive towards. And we run a race together in some ways towards the prize. And there is peace and unity in striving together towards that hope. That we unite in that goal. That you, just as you would want ultimate good for yourself and your family, you would look at your neighbor and want the same prize for them, right? That you would want ultimate good for someone other than yourself. We have to unite around our shared hope. That we're moving towards that direction. One Lord. And that is Jesus, right? That's Jesus. I tell this, I say this every, every week at Lighthouse Kids, or I try to. It's very intentional, and I want kids to lock it in. So maybe test your kids sometime. But I always say the Bible is one big book full of a bunch of little books that all tell one great story, okay? And that's the story of Jesus becoming king of everything. Like, that's the story of Scripture. It's all about Jesus coming, and then what do we do, like, now that he's been here? This, this is what it's all about. So there's one Lord. The story of Scripture is God becoming king, becoming Lord. Every follower of Christ is somebody who has submitted to the truth that God is king, okay? We look inside our own heart. We go to that, like, seat of power, that throne, the place of honor in your own life, and you abdicate, you move out of it, right? Because you don't belong. I don't belong there, and I'm a terrible lord of my own life, okay? And we give that seat of power back to the person that it belongs to, Jesus. So he's the Lord of my life, but on a grander scale, he's the Lord of everything. He has earned that. Okay? So we all as believers here and around the world, we go into daily submission that I am not the Lord of my life, and you are, and you deserve all the honor and all the glory and all the praise, and whatever you say, I will do because you're the Lord, and I'm just a sheep to be shepherded. Right? So would we be a community here at the Lighthouse of people who declare Christ as king and we submit ourselves to his rule every day? We find unity together in our shared surrender to him as king and our shared acts of declaring that with the way that we speak and the way that we live on Grand Manan, that Christ is king overall. So the way that we live should be a unifying declaration that God is on the throne, okay? Everything that we do speaks to that ultimate reality. 
And we unify in our shared submission to that truth that Jesus is king and the way that I speak and the way that I treat people, the way that I love my kids and the way that I serve my community, the way that I give, the way I give my time, the level of like kindness I show to people, that all speaks to who you think is on the throne. Is it you? Is it God? What is it? Okay, it's, it's Christ, okay? So he's on the throne. So you can look around this room with confidence, I believe, and know that if someone is in here and they have decided they're going to follow Jesus, you are unified in your submission to Christ with them. That brings us together, okay? We all recognize who's on the throne. Let's keep going. One faith. This one, I think, is super interesting and really timely. Because throughout church history, thousands of years, 2,000 years or so, we have split, we have fractured, we've gone our separate ways over different things. We disagree on things, and so now I'm going to go make my own church, right? And on this island, we've split as well over different things. That's why I think it's so powerful that this is a union of churches. I think that's crazy cool, okay? But churches split all the time. For big reasons and some stupid reasons, okay? So we convince ourselves by holding other people to a standard of, like, faith. That we are upholding the faith, okay? You have to believe this, 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 and look, I'm in the right. I'm holding this. This is the faith. You must agree to this, 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 this. But a lot of these things are secondary, like tertiary, lesser issues, okay? We can deceive ourselves in thinking that if we believe the same things, that that's the most important thing. But that's not what Paul is talking about here when he says we have one faith, okay? He's not talking about a cosmic list of things, I believe this, this, this. Those things do exist, but that's not what Paul's talking about. One faith in this context is one shared faith, not as a code of beliefs like our core Christian creeds that we confess, I believe this and this. Rather, it should be better understood as the act of faith or being faithful or being people of belief that we've come to a place where now we have faith, right? The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. He he or she says the confidence In what we hope for, that's what faith is. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's what faith is. It's not like a list that you would like open this scroll and it just tumbles all the way out the door like, do you check all these boxes? Okay? The writer of Hebrews says that faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. So our unity doesn't come as a congregation or as a global church, from checking every box on a theological index card, rather from our common act of belief, of being people of faith. So we get caught up in debating side issues of disagreement that I'll tell you are not essential. They're not. And those topics start to become toxic. And people don't want to participate in the discussion that God's people should be having because if you disagree on this, like, you're out. All right? So those things become toxic. 
And I don't want the church to ever be a place or a group where people feel like they can't participate in what's going on because they don't agree on this little thing, okay? Emphasis on little. So Paul is inviting us and the Ephesians here to take a good, hard look at what issues you and me, what issues we will die on a hill for. Because I'll tell you, not everything is the most important thing. We can't live like everything is the most important thing. It's not. It's not. Is my clinging to this issue coming at the cost of somebody coming to know Christ? Is that, is that the cost? Is it worth it? Would my time be better served loving people? Would people be better loved? Would Christ be better glorified if I sought unity instead of looking for areas of disagreement? Is my clinging to this issue bouncing somebody at the door of God's house and his people? Just take a good hard look, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you can just believe whatever you want. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter. There are things that we need to agree on. Those are outlined in our historical creeds. I can give them to you if you want. You can Google it. It's really easy. This is what you must believe to be a Christian, okay? Not every issue is on that list. It's not, okay? And there are faithful people all over the world that would disagree with me on a lot of stuff, okay? But the Holy Spirit is still active in their life. They're still part of the body. They still submit to Christ as Lord. Like, how can I go down that checklist and say, like, oh, you're out, okay? So, not every issue or perspective needs to be identical in order to belong to Christ. And I think that's a very freeing perspective that Paul gives us. And it's one that I am challenged by because people who know me well will know that I know what I believe and I love to debate and stuff. I have had to decide that I don't need to win every argument. Even if I believe that I'm right, I don't need you to think that I'm right every time. It's not important. It's not important. Okay? It's not important. So the challenge is for us to make sure that we're not bouncing people at the door or turning them away over something that is not essential. It's not essential. And instead, would we choose to unify as being people of peace who live with faith? Okay? Let's keep going. Two more. Baptism, one baptism. Galatians 3.27 says, For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So one of the primary outward displays of a follower of Jesus is water baptism. That you identify with Christ as you go under, and you are raised to new life in rising, right? And I've had the privilege of being at a lot of your baptisms. And one of the hardest things about COVID is I think it robbed us of some time to do some stuff like that. So I would just say really quick, if you're in the room here and you are a follower of Jesus, but you haven't been baptized, we would love to do that for you. So if that's something that you're thinking about, I would encourage you to talk to Pastor John, Pastor Tim, or myself, and we'll follow up with you on that because baptism is a big deal. It's a time where we all gather together and we celebrate the declaration of our intent or your intent 
to follow Christ and to die to yourself every day and to follow him with newness of life. So how can I tell someone that they don't belong here when I celebrated their baptism? How, how can I be a person who turns people away if I'm a person who celebrates people being baptized? That's, those things do not go together, okay? So we can be a congregation that celebrates baptism, and that brings us together of people declaring their desire to follow Christ with the rest of their life. And the last one, one God, Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is in all. So Paul takes everything into summary, and he places it, okay? Body, spirit, hope, Lord, faith, baptism. It's all brought into place under the supremacy of the creator God, the Father. So in the ancient world, names had power. If you spoke the name of something, like the true name of something, you were exercising control or authority over that thing. I know this thing intimately, and I'm the master of it. Type of. So God is the creator of all, and he's given us all our names, and he's calling us all by name back to himself. So ever since the garden, and we sinned, like sin has entered the world and it muddied things up. You can almost think about it where things got tilted off their axis, right? So you look at things and you think, ah, it's not quite right. There's a reason you think this is not quite right. It's because it's not. Like I remember being at the bedside when my grandfather passed away. And as much as I was happy and rejoicing because I, I, I believe I know where he was and who he was with, you still are left with this sense this is not the way it's supposed to be, okay? So there can be two things held in tension there, that God is still good, and it's not hopeless, but this is not the way things are supposed to be. God is on the move making things the way they are supposed to be. So he is bringing his kingdom to earth, establishing it more and more every day, and that is the reality that we are invited to live in that we would submit and recognize the supremacy of God over everything, as creation starts to come back into its proper alignment, we find our proper created place, okay? And life starts to make sense when you live properly. This goes back to the way that we talked about with the throne in our heart. When you're on the throne, you can make okay decisions, but it often just does not feel right. But when you give up control and the person who's supposed to be there, it works the way it's supposed to work, okay? So when we find our proper place in the order of things, that's unity. It's unity, okay? That I find where I was created to be in everything. So there's Paul's seven common denominators, between believers, his unity guide to a church. And I think it's a helpful guide for us to seek out unity together. So as we edge closer and closer to the completion of the new building, if you haven't been there, you need to go see it. I took hope just this week, and it was amazing. Okay? So as we edge closer and closer to this new building, 
We must, we must unify together. We must. I don't think any of us in this room want that new church to be anything but exactly what God wants it to be and exactly what the island needs it to be for years to come, okay? So we... So we need to be able to set aside our differences and our own agendas and instead submit to what God would do and unite around that, okay? That's what we need to do. So we can get all caught up in where we disagree, that we fail to see what does bring us together. And the struggle of every church and every believer around the world is to remain faithful to the truth, what we know to be true. And we maintain peace with other people that do not see the world that you do, okay? You don't need to be all the way over here, and you don't need to be all the way over here. I'm not saying don't take a stance. I read an article from Houghton College recently about occupying the courageous middle, like being people who bring peace between a world in tension. Doesn't mean don't take a stand doesn't mean avoid saying anything. It means standing between the reality that we know is true and also the way things are in the world and being people that work to bring those together, okay? So we can be those people. So with that in mind, I would like to close really quickly with two challenges for us. Two challenges. They're really, really easy, but they're really difficult. This is for myself as well. So challenge number one, you can close your eyes, you can keep them open, you can do whatever you want. Look inward. Look inward. Look inside yourself, inside your own heart, inside your own mind. Look inward. Perhaps it's time for me to re-examine. Go back in my mind. Go back to those lines that I drew in the sand or go back to those hills that I died on and ask myself, is this worth it? Because some things are, but plenty of things aren't. Ask God, would you reveal to me the stakes that I put in the ground and commit me to being okay with not winning every time? Even if I know and believe that I'm right, do you need to say that I'm right for us to get along? God, would you empower me with the Holy Spirit to value people and them coming to know Christ over being right or winning every single time? Maybe that means I need to go and apologize to somebody. Would you give me the courage to do that? Make peace today. Look inward. Second one, go outward. Go outward. There's one God. He's supreme overall. And he's bringing all things back into alignment under himself. And the beautiful invitation of the gospel is that God just doesn't put you in your place. He actually invites you to work alongside with him, bringing things back into their proper place. So God, would you help us join with you Work with you and bring your kingdom on earth here on Grand Manan. Go outward. Would you be willing today to go out to your island as a peacemaker? 
bringing about God's unity and his kingdom to an island that desperately needs hope. And we see all around the world, man, people disagree on a lot of stuff. And there's chaos. Can we learn to look past our differences, our voting preferences, our economic opinions, and other dividers, and instead seek peace with one another so that more people come to know God? And I believe so that Grand Manan starts to look and act more like God's kingdom each day. Can we look inward? Can we go outward? Let's do that this week, okay? Let's pray. God, thanks for another day to be together, and this is something that I don't take for granted anymore. And uh, God, I just ask that you would soften our hearts and give us clear thought that we would be like David in the Psalms where he says, search me, oh God, know my heart. God, would, would, we, would you help us give ourselves a real good examination, God, and we probably need to just step out of the way and allow you to just reveal what's going on in our mind and our heart. Would you give us the courage that no matter what gets uncovered, even if it was like 10 years ago, God, would you help us to have the courage to go and make that right, to apologize or bring people back to a place of peace? God, would you empower us to go outward this week at the grocery store, at work, around the island, if you leave the island, God, and bring unity to the island. Help cultivate a kingdom atmosphere here on earth that reflects heaven and the way things should be running. Because we know, God, that you're at the move and you're doing that yourself right now, but you have invited us to share with you in that. Would you help give us an opportunity and the mind to realize that that's the opportunity and then the willingness to serve. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening and joining us today. If you'd like to know more about the Lighthouse Church, you can find us on Facebook at Lighthouse Graham or on Instagram at The Lighthouse GM. We'd love to chat with you more. Maybe something jumped out at you or grabbed your attention while you were listening today. We would love to talk with you and discuss some of the deeper questions of life together. God loves you, we love you, and we're in this together.